Stu Does America. Welcome to Stu Does America. I will tell you, of course, as you know, if you watch this show, uh, the best way to stop the spread of coronavirus is to subscribe to this podcast. Uh, make sure you do that and uh, click the little bell thing on YouTube. So we'll remind you every time that there's a new video out. All of these things are very important. And also wash your hands. Don't forget to do that as well. Uh, we're at CPAC, so it's a little bit different show uh, today. And we're joined with by Michael Knowles, of course. Uh, very exciting from the Daily, new, uh, Daily Wire, uh, Michael Knowles' show. And The Verdict with Ted Cruz. So thank you. For Thanks for having me, Stu. It's this good to be here. Big deal, man. You had a number one podcast in America for a while, be- yeah. beating out Joe Rogan. It, you know, I don't think that the senator expected that he <laughs> beat out Joe Rogan, become the top podcaster. But no. it's been a, a ton of fun to do. And I'm really glad that I could be here because obviously, you know, I've been on airplanes and stuff lately. So if this is the cure to coronavirus, this is good. I, I hope it helps our 401ks, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, I know. Jeez. We just came straight from CPAC. Mm-hmm. The senator and I did a live show there. Uh, so it was a... a Full episode in front of you know the, the biggest conservative event of the year. Must have been great. The energy was fabulous, and we had the chairwoman of the RNC on, Ronna McDaniel, and it it's for the first time in my life you're seeing this major shift in the Republican Party. For since I was a child up until now, it's been a kind of country club party, yeah. of fat cat capitalists, mm-hmm. and the Democrats always claimed the working man. Right. And over the last three years, for the first time. I'm seeing that shift back, and it's a conscious strategy. The GOP is finally going for those voters, and I, I think the enthusiasm in the room spoke for itself. Well, I think there's so much of that is there's real energy now, and I don't know if it's. I think it's partially um, just the, it, the the pushing back against how far the left has gone. Right? Yes. They've gone so far when it comes to you know the sort of woke nonsense that they're trying to do. The, how far they go with the media? I think Trump as well, where it's not just a normal, hey, we're calling George Bush a terrorist. Those are the old days. <laughs> yeah. That's the easy time. This, they go so far now where they are, compl- I, I mean, I think legitimately completely obsessed yeah. with this man. They, all they can think about is removing him from office with, with any tactic possible. And there's just a, every once in a while you see something and just as a person you have that like pushback, that little cringe feeling. Yeah. And I think the average person, whether they like Trump or not, feels that from the media. Well, you, one thing we talked about a lot t- today or you know, during the CPAC yeah. event was this shift in coalitions. You, you've got this strange new conservative coalition, which includes people who are super religious, yeah. very you know, hardcore, and it's got people who are gay libertarians Mm -hmm. and atheists and Christians. And it's a big coalition. What do they all agree on? What do they all have in common? They all think the left has gone too far. I mean, they might disagree on tax policy or health care policy, but they all agree that there aren't 57 genders. And, you know, that was an an unforced error. It was a mistake made by the left, and now they're paying the electoral price for that. And they're doing it constantly, Yeah, uh, honestly. Like, there's, you know, impeachment, I think, was the same thing. I think Kavanaugh is the same thing. You know, there's just over, I mean, I always go back to day one of the Trump presidency is the Women's March. Yeah. It's like the guy just, wa- he hasn't even like put his pens in the cup yet. I mean, and you're already protesting against him. It, it, it never felt um, organic. Right. You know, it right. felt fake the whole time. And I think they're paying the price for that. I mean, day one of the Obama presidency gets nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Day one of the Trump presidency, they call for him to be impeached. Yeah. But why did they call for him to be impeached? Mm. They called for him to be impeached because they were shocked that they lost to him. Mm-hmm. They thought there was no way that he could win. And they realized if he won that time, 
he had a very good chance of winning in 2020, probably a better chance of winning. And so you had Rep. Al Green, not the great musician, but the congressman. Al Green's- Not the great musician, the bad congressman. The bad congressman. (laughs) In 2017, not long after Trump was elected, he said, I fear that if we do not impeach this president, he will be reelected. And I think that explains everything they've done so far. It's just their reactions have been so extreme. They're like, they're, you know, it's like stepping on a rake repeatedly and repeatedly. They keep getting hit in the face. Like Sideshow Bob. Like Sideshow Bob. Yeah, uh, I like that. They are the Sideshow Bob of politics, right? <laughs> they now. are. Um, I, you know, because the same thing happens with, uh, you know, you look at like, uh, I, I was watching, uh, just watching the media coverage of this president on a day to day basis. Yeah. And every day there's something else. Like, there's an op ed today. Yeah. Where they say they want to call the coronavirus the Trump virus. It was in the New York Times. Yes, the New it. York Times. The Trump virus. Like, this was released by a co- you know, in a communist country <laughs> mm-hmm. who, where it would have probably not been nearly as bad if yeah. they were actually honest about it. Right. It's spreading around the world. We're having the best success with it. He's put his vice president uh, as a complete responsibility. You go and do it. Right. And this is called Trump's fault somehow. I mean, well, it's, it's, it, you, you can't even connect the dots. You don't realize that uh, Trump was colluding with the biochemical engineers oh, no. in Wuhan. Oh, no. You don't know this, no. but there's uh, Adam Schiff has a lot of documents about this. They're all going to come out someday. I believe it. I believe it. I've heard Ben Carson has a condo in Wuhan, and I'm nervous. I'm nervous that he started it. He's got that medical knowledge. He does. He does. Um, you know, so... When it comes to the coronavirus, let's go there for a second. Because, yeah. I mean, look, yesterday, what did we have? A 1,200-point drop in the, in the Dow. We've had a lot of, uh, I mean, it's been a, it was a, it's been a scary week. Mm-hmm. You know, for, separating it from the loss of life that we've seen around the world, and, and some of it could come here for sure, yeah. uh, it's the economic effects are right. major. And that's uh, interesting not only just because of, uh, of our, our you know, 401ks or whatever, also because presidential elections right around the corner yeah. and the strength of this president really has been the economy i mean look yeah. you know I, there's a lot of things that i like that trump has done and he's exceeded my expectations by a considerable course, margin for i would all say of us, yeah. uh, but you know look with a guy that's having this sort of economic success 44% approval rating isn't exactly great um, i still think he's the favorite but that economy falls apart. He's in trouble. Yes. Um, so I think it's smart for him to get on top of this. What, do, what What's your perspective on this? Are you scared of the coronavirus or are you uh, in, the, in the skeptical camp? I, I am skeptical, mm-hmm. but the reason I'm skeptical is not based on medical knowledge, scientific knowledge, okay. no data. I mean, yeah. the, the Trump White House is downplaying it. They're saying, oh, it's just like the flu. And it's not just like the flu. It's got a higher mortality rate, mm-hmm. but it's still a relatively low mortality rate of about yeah. 2%. And that's factoring in Mainland China does not have the kind of public health that the United States does. It does look like it's going to be wind up being lower than that, too, because it, yeah. it's 0.7, I think, outside of China, which is probably more realistic, but it's still higher than the flu. It's higher than the flu. The flu is about 0.1%. So it's higher than the flu, but still relatively yep. uh, manageable. So that's what the, the Trump administration is saying. The media and the Democrats are, in, in Trump's words, creating a panic for political advantage. And the reason that I'm skeptical of the whole thing is because... We do not have a reliable media. The press has become so corrupt, and they've been so obvious about it over the last (laughs) three years, that you just can't trust their reporting. So the real fear, I think, is not that the coronavirus is going to kill me. The fear is that it's going to kill my 401k. And if it kills all of our 401ks, then it's hard to see how President Trump gets reelected. Yeah, and that's a a scary picture, especially in, you know— especially when you have Bernie Sanders as the potential nominee. Right, right. I want to get into South Carolina in a minute, but continuing for a second on, on the corona thing. Um, one of the attacks on, <laughs> on the administration 
is because I, I looked at it and I said, wow, he's putting Mike Pence in, t- in charge of this. Vice president. It's vice president. It's yeah. the number two guy, right? Like it's right. the guy that Donald Trump picked that if something happened to him, he'd be the best person in America to run the country. Right. Right. He's putting him in charge of it. That's a taking it very seriously. Exactly. Not that's not what the left thinks. <laughs> they look at this and they say, this guy doesn't know anything about medicine. This guy, what does this guy know? And he was actually doing something terrible in Indiana. Too. Yeah, oh my gosh. This is what they said. I mean, this is this is why you've got to be so skeptical of all of their claims about coronavirus, is there is nothing that President Trump could have done, mm-hmm. nobody he could have appointed, nothing he could have said that they wouldn't have jumped on. And so he picks the number two guy to, to take this seriously. And the left, all the blue check marks and the media guys, they accused Mike Pence of causing an HIV epidemic in Indiana. And I said, what on earth are you talking about? So I, I Google this for five seconds. And I and Mike Pence was just hooking up with lots of people all over <laughs> Indiana. Going all the bars. He's got a double promiscuous, life. <laughs> promiscuous Pence, that's him. I, I looked at it. What they're basing this on is that Mike Pence opposes the policy of needle exchanges, the mm-hmm. idea that the government should give junkies needles so that they can shoot up heroin, at, which are horrible programs. Yeah. They've caused untold crime, uh, disease, in, in San Francisco especially. I mean, in San Francisco, you walk around, you see these needles on the street, right? It's a horrible policy. Pence, like every other conservative just about, opposed the policy. And they said, well, because of that, and because there was an opioid epidemic at this time, uh, people shared needles, and so HIV spread. I mean, the the logic is so tenuous. They, next, they will be accusing him of killing Freddie Mercury. I mean, they would, <laughs> yeah, and they would do it to anybody in the they, administration. They really would. They really would. Um, I, I, I'm, the the needle exchange thing is amazing because I, I there's a story out in Philadelphia now, where they have started America's first, and they're leading the way. You know, I mean, it's nice to see Philly's leading the way yet again. Uh, the very first um, safe injection site. Stop it. Stop it. That's not real. It is. Safe injection site where it is legitimately like a building where people can come with their heroin. Oh, st- oh my God. And come inside the building and inject heroin in front of like nurses and stuff so you, they don't overdose. And the, and the thought being, if you want to believe there was thought put into this, the thought being that, okay, well, there, there's so many people overdosing. Yeah. So here we'll do it under a controlled circumstance. If they do overdose, we'll have the drugs on hand to stop it. And they're seeing so many people inject drugs in their house and overdosing in their house, and then no one they don't even find them so, in the dead. So this new left-wing heroin <laughs> factory, yeah. heroin drive, drive-in, heroin is, is it BYOH? Uh, they're not it providing that. It okay, yeah. <laughs> is BYOH, you're right. I love that this is compassion for the yeah. left. The compassion for the left is not, hey, let's get these junkies to go to rehab and stop harming themselves in society. Mm-hmm. The compassion to the left is, hey, you want to shoot up more heroin? Hey, come on, we've got a couch for you. Incredible, right? Wow. I mean, you're coddling this awful behavior. I, I, I don't know if they're, they could be vending machines. I would not be shocked if they were vending machines. Uh, That's but, next. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, from a compassion standpoint, how about compassion for the people in the neighborhood oh, yeah. where now you're saying, hey, everybody comes. And remember, you're doing drugs. You don't do drugs and then you step up and you're fine, right? Like you do the drugs. <laughs> Back and to then, work now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you have the effects. So these people are going and they're shooting up. Okay, I, they didn't overdose and that's great. And then they're walking out high on heroin into the streets of this community where children are playing. I mean, it's, it's insanity. So what they tell the people in the neighborhoods around these left-wing cities is, you cannot use plastic straws. If you right. use a plastic straw to drink a Diet Coke, you will be fined. This will yeah. be a big problem. Yeah. But you will uh, spend your taxpayer money to buy plastic needles that we will give to junkies littering your streets and having them roam throughout 
your neighborhoods. That's logic. That's that the is logic. That's twin logic you. right there. <laughs> uh, Michael Knowles, uh, of course, uh, Verdict and the Michael Knowles Show. We have more with uh, Michael in just a second. Back with Michael Knowles. He's the host of 947 shows. Uh, <laughs> I can't name those. you got the Michael Knowles Show. Got that one at Daily Wire. Yep. you got uh, The Verdict with Ted Cruz. Yes. And got. now a new one with PragerU. Yes, we launched a new show with PragerU called The Book Club, oh, where cool. we do it's a once-a-month show, and we talk about all the books that you should have read that nobody reads anymore because they're all studying gender theory in high school and college. Mm. And we bring in some of the, the great minds uh, who can talk about these books? And it's I, I it's kind of like the Cruz show. You said, yeah. who would have guessed that Ted Cruz would would be Joe Rogan? I did not think a book a uh, show about old books <laughs> would take off. Yeah, I think people are so starved for any knowledge of our culture and civilization that uh, they're even willing to watch a video about books. Yeah, <laughs> wow, that's yeah. A, that's a, it's you know it's interesting because you know we hung out. What was that? Was it a year ago or something? Probably like a year that. or so ago in LA. And um and, and it's the first time I'd ever hung out with you guys over at the Daily Wire for any length of time. And you know, I've been in, been in conservative media for a long time. Yeah. It was really interesting to, to 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 hang out with you guys in that like you're all so freaking smart. Oh, like thanks, I mean, and nice. I, I and look, go on, uh, go on, go on, go on. But I don't even mean it in like the way of like you know, you, hey, you guys are really smart. It's like you guys all are really well read. You all had like, you, you. There's a lot of depth there, which was I thought I don't you know because I think you guys are known obviously for you know Ben and, and Andrew. Everyone's known for their sort of you know right. news of the day commentary. Right. But it's interesting to see you doing something like this. It actually really fits who you are, I think. Oh, thank you. You know, I noticed this one time, Andrew Clavin, who's a pal of mine at Daily Wire, and he and I were getting a cigar with Dennis Prager. Mm. And we, all we all wanted to talk about was religion. And I thought, like, cigar goes on for hours and hours. And we get to the end of it. And Dennis said, we didn't talk about politics. And he said, but I've noticed this. I've noticed this with conservatives, especially. Mm. Not with leftists, but with conservatives. Conservatives who love politics they usually want to go past politics and talk about cultural things and maybe go past that and talk about religious things too, yeah. you know, kind of a bigger view of the world. And then when you look at the left today, all it seems like they've kind of reversed it and the politics has, has generated this kind of religious devotion. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's an interesting observation. I think that's true. Yeah. You know, I, I noticed that you go out to, um, you know, you're, you're at a Christmas party or something yeah. or whatever you're doing. And like the people who don't deal with politics every day are the people who ask you about politics. Yes. Right. Oh, it's yeah. like, you you know, it's it's the people who when you're talking about you, people that kind of swim in those waters all the time. Right. You just want to escape. Yes. Because you <laughs> feel right. like you're drowning. I yeah. guess the, 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 the metaphor. I love those when it comes out, it's Christmas or Thanksgiving, yeah. you know, and the left always does this. They send out the how to talk to your Republican uncle yes. about the 57 <laughs> genders. Yeah. You say like, well, you know what I like talking about at Christmas Jesus, yeah, or like yeah, eggnog, yeah, presents, something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's do what we were just saying we weren't going to do and talk about politics. For that a sounds good. We are one day away from South Carolina here. We so are. This is a big one. This is the firewall for Uncle Joe. <laughs> Uncle Joe, he's having trouble getting through sentences, yes. but he is still going. And it's sad. I, I really legitimately feel sad watching him on the debate stage because he just can't. He's like he's like one of these. Like a, I have a, a 1978 MGB. And and it's hilarious. It's a it's an orange car. It's much younger than Joe Biden. Yes, yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> and it is uh it barely runs. It's a British car, so it barely runs. Like once every ten times, I try to start the thing, it runs. Yeah. But that's what it feels like watching him uh, speak. And that, like I press the gas on that car, and it doesn't do anything. 
and it, but eventually kind of sputters and, and goes, and eventually he gets there. Yeah. It takes a while, though. And then in the middle of its journey, it just randomly stops. <laughs> it just randomly stops. And we'll say, like, why you, am I stopping? I don't know. And then it just says, 150 million people have been killed in gun violence. You're like, that's I'm, now I'm on the side of the road waiting for a tow truck. The one reason that I don't feel totally bad for Joe, and I do, I, he's obviously past his prime, and yeah. it's kind of sad that he's still on the campaign trail, but the reason I don't feel totally bad is he was making these kind of gaffes and verbal, yeah. uh, wild statements for the past 40 years. Yeah. This is not a <laughs> no, new thing new. with Joe Biden. It's not new. I mean, it's funny because back in 2012, when he was up against Paul Ryan in that debate, he basically was just really aggressive and talked over him a lot. Laughed at him. It laughed at him. And it was like a, an aggressive sort of bullying type of thing. Yeah. Now, he, I think he, in his mind, he can still do those things. He thinks he can, but it just doesn't work. And no. it, it, it is sad to watch. And yet. I thought Joe was completely finished, yeah. and yet there are these polls that are coming out. There was the Clemson poll came out a couple days ago. Yep. Shows Joe Biden's at 35 points. I think that second place is Tom Steyer at 17. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got double, you know, more yeah. than double his uh, poll numbers. This this really could be a firewall. Yeah, and it looks, uh, I don't, you know, we were talking about this uh, the other day on the radio, where it, I don't know what changed. I mean, Bernie outperformed yeah. His his uh, his polls in Nevada. Mm-hmm. Usually, that means the next state you get a bounce. Right. The reverse has oddly happened, yeah. where Joe gets a bounce for coming in second and losing by twenty six yeah. points. <laughs> the guy lost by twenty six points. He gets a bump out of that. It seems like, and now we have uh, the, the poll you talked about. There's another poll where he was up eight. Another he was up fifteen, and then one came out yesterday where he was up twenty eight points. Whoa. Now, I can't imagine that's going to be the margin, no. but it does seem like he's going to win this and maybe win it easily. Well, because what's the alternative? You know, the, the moderate lane, Liz Warren has vacillated. First she was going for Joe's voters, then she wanted Bernie's, yeah. now she doesn't know. Mm-hmm. She's done this a lot in her career, yes, is, yeah. uh, goes back and forth. The next was going to be Mike Bloomberg. He was the one waiting, but mm-hmm. Bloomberg, first of all, isn't even on the ballot in South Carolina, yep. and he's, I think, fizzled after his poor debate performances. So Pete Buttigieg has shown himself to be, I think, quite radical despite his nice Midwestern uh, accent. And so who are you left with? Just by process of elimination, you're left with Joe Biden. And we're about to see, people tell us that Bernie Sanders, for the first time in his life, is going to get black voters, that Pete Buttigieg might get black voters, which is obviously very important if you want to win the nomination, win the presidency. Joe Biden's whole campaign message is, I can win the votes of ethnic minorities, I can beat Donald Trump. It hasn't proven accurate so far, but South Carolina is the first state with significant minority voters, so yeah. we're going to see. Yeah, he, and this is the test here. The way I've kind of been looking at this uh, campaign since New Hampshire really was, you've got the South Carolina sort of firewall for Biden. There's one more chance for Biden to step up and be this moderate you yeah. know, other option. And if he's out, you know, the Buttigieg thing, as an observer, seems like it should happen. Like, he seems yeah. to be obviously the smartest one on the stage. Right, right. He's the only one who can really speak... Uh, you know, Before, finish sentence. a sentence. Yeah, like I, I, I'm confused as to why maybe he's he hasn't done better. But I mean, he, you know, he did well in the first couple of states, and it basically seems like he's it's not working now. Klobuchar is not going anywhere. I mean, Steyer is probably going to be okay right. in South Carolina, but that's really it for him. So you have like this this wall with Biden. Either he wins or if he loses anything, even second place, I think he's done. And then after that, all it is is Bloomberg. And the only reason Bloomberg even exists is because of the money and the fact that he hasn't been in any, any of these polls yet. That is, I mean, that's an amazing thing to say for the Democratic Party in this election where they say this is the worst president ever and we have to get him out of office. Right. You're seeing a, actually a 2016 problem here. Yeah. It's what the Republicans saw in 2016 was you had Trump 
And then, you know, you had Cruz. Cruz really stood for the mm-hmm. Tea Party constitutionalist yep. spread. And then you had like everybody else. And everybody, there was, it ended up being the Trump vote or the anti-Trump vote. Yep. But none of the anti-Trump people would get out of the race. So they split up that vote. And that's what you're seeing here. Bernie's the clear leader of the of the nomination process, so you got the Bernie vote, and then you've got this desperate anti-Bernie vote. Some of them vote for Pete, some of them vote for Biden, a handful of them vote for Klobuchar, yeah. some very confused people vote for Elizabeth Warren, <laughs> but none of them, their egos are so large, none of them are gonna get out of that race. Why, why on earth would Amy Klobuchar get out of the race? Uh, you know, I, yeah, I mean, especially before Super Tuesday, because she's got Minnesota there, so yeah. she's got a good shot at winning that. I mean, yeah. even, and it, She's, she is absolutely Kasich here. Yeah. Remember, Kasich kept staying in the race. He's like, well, I just got to get to Ohio. Once I hit Ohio, I'll win Ohio, and then it'll really start rolling. And, you know, he did win Ohio. Yeah, he's hey, totally good job, John. Yeah. I mean, you know, Rubio kind of did the same thing. I'm going to get to Florida, and we'll win Florida. And then, you know, he didn't win Florida. Um, I have had this battle with myself for months now um, with who am I rooting for in this primary? Because, you know, just like... This is a big debate. This is a big one. I think it's legitimate because, you know, because it's them, and it's so much fun to watch them have this Mm -hmm. this rip everybody apart primary instead of us. Thank God. Um, You're watching almost like a sporting event. Like, you know, I'm an Eagles fan. They get to the Super Bowl. I'm watching that AFC championship game. I want to know who's going to win. And here we are in a place where... I think Bernie is the easiest one to beat, and I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't know that I have the evidence to back that up yet. The data, the polling doesn't quite back that up. You know, turnout for him yep. has been pretty low. Yeah, it's even lower than Hillary. I, I agree. It looks like he's the easiest one to beat. I, 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 that's kind of what I think, especially when it comes down to it. When the American people see support for Cuba, and you know, I, I want to have free college, and I'm going to take your insurance away. You're not going to have. They're not a person in Pennsylvania is going to be like this is crazy when they really see it. I think. I mean, Bernie already lost Florida by praising Fidel Castro. That's <laughs> yes, out. yeah. So, uh, I, you know, in a way, I kind of want Bernie to be the nominee. Yeah. Uh, in another way, we all know when it gets down to a one-on-one vote, mm-hmm. anything can happen. Coronavirus has been the most recent example. But I mean, you know, Hillary Clinton thought she had this race won ten days before an election, and an FBI investigation gets announced. Right? Like these things can change with completely mm-hmm. out of your control. And if the other option is a socialist, we may have a socialist president. My take on this, Stu, I'm not very risk averse. I am here to be entertained. I want the <laughs> battle that America's been waiting for. Burn, baby, burn. I want it to be Trump versus Bernie. I think that the, the left learned all the wrong lessons from 2016 in mm. many ways. I think they're, they're and even some people on the right are a little nervous. They say, look, people said Trump couldn't win and then Trump won. Maybe it could be the same for Bernie. Trump did, did not come out as a hardcore ideologue. He actually came out and didn't seem to have much yeah. in the way of ideology. Mm-hmm. He ends up being a kind of regular Republican, except he talks tougher like a guy from New York. Yeah. Big cultural figure, big popular TV show. People knew him for 40 years. Yeah. Bernie Sanders praises Fidel Castro. This is a guy who got kicked off a commune for being lazy. This is a guy who didn't have a real job until he was 40 years old. <laughs> this is a guy who is certainly also passed his sell-by date. He honeymooned in the Soviet Union. That is a radicalism that no matter how far the Democratic Party has shifted to the left is not going to play well in Peoria. I think it is uh, the media bubble are, are making the country out to be more left-wing than it is. I think if, if Bernie gets the nomination, look, I could be wrong. There's no, <laughs> look, coronavirus tanks the economy yeah. and Bernie's the president. But, oh, that's scary. But I think all things being equal, if Bernie's the nominee, we're going to win all 57 states plus Greenland. Oh and gosh. I do. I think so. I mean, we might pick up a 58th somewhere. And uh, I think and I, I think it's a fair fight, too. Bernie is honest. 
He's honest yeah. in his socialism, and Trump is tr truly a symbol of American capitalism. It's, a, it's an honest battle, and if the American people choose socialism, I guess that's too bad. i got to move yeah. to Greenland. <laughs> That'll be fine. Everything will be, be fine. fine. Yeah. All right, Michael Knowles uh, from Daily Wire, from uh, Verdict with Ted Cruz. Yes. And of course, from uh, PragerU, yes. the, uh, the book club. The book club. I can't wait. To, I haven't checked this out yet. I got to check this out. If you're on the podcast app right now, what a great time to go over and subscribe Thank to you. those podcasts and make sure that you support Michael. This is great, and I appreciate it. And uh, I guess you're you're rooting for Bernie. I'm uh, feeling the burn, and then I'm gonna <laughs> feel his entire campaign getting burned down in November. <laughs> All right, we're back in a second. Thanks. Welcome back. Uh, we're in D.C. for CPAC, and we're just all the greatest guests of all time are coming on the program, including uh, Mr. Jesse Kelly, uh, host of I'm Right on the First. Uh, very cool. Uh, new show. You can check that out. Of course, radio show as well. Uh, I was told uh, when I signed my contract that I would be taller than all the guests on camera appearing. And if you kind of see here, I mean, it's really embarrassing. <laughs> you, they, they actually came in like you were a toddler and like lowered you down on the seat. Like, the, like you were at the kiddie table. They did. Uh, you, you know, I needed you to be more Bloomberg sized <laughs> for this to work out. But. Well, I, I mean, I can't be Bloomberg sized, otherwise I'd be shopping in the kitty section. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's true. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's not adult clothing. He's wearing. It's not. It's not. It's not. <laughs> no. It's not. But he's a billionaire, so he covers up for that. Exactly. I need. Is there a rich toddler section? Or? <laughs> uh, so, so thanks for coming on. This is great. Um, of course, uh, man. You got. A, you have a cool uh, panel coming up uh, at CPAC. I do because uh, I'm on it. You're on, yeah, because you're on it. Well, yeah, you're right with Jesse Kelly. Mm -hmm. um, but it's uh, it's about sports and the way the sports is being influenced by, I would say, annoying politics. Mm -hmm. And it is like a you know, as a person who loves sports, it is I. It's the one place I was able to escape all of this nonsense that I have to do every other day of the week. And now it's invading our lives when it comes to sports too. I, I just can't take it. And that's why they're in it. And that's why they're in it. The left doesn't, I mean, and it's hard for us to understand because whether you're a conservative, libertarian, whatever you call yourself, you compartmentalize things. You know, like I go to neighborhood parties in my neighborhood sometimes, and you know, I, I don't talk politics. I yeah. do this for a living. I don't talk politics. How are the kids? Oh, did you see the game the other night? <laughs> the one Democrat walks in. Did you see what Trump said? He's such a The left doesn't compartmentalize anything. Yeah. And they don't see any place where they're not and think to themselves, Oh, we shouldn't go there. No. Any place sure. where they're not, they're like, oh, why, why haven't we taken that yet? That's now, how they think. We know that makes them terrible people. Mm -hmm. But is it a good strategy? Because in some ways, right, like they will go places conservatives won't, and maybe conservatives should be in those places too. I don't, I don't want to be in the conversations per se, but like coming as a strategic, uh, from st yeah, strategic standpoint, mm -hmm. What do you do? I mean, like, do you do we play nice or do we go into those areas? Too? We have to fight back in ways that make us uncomfortable fighting back. And here's what I mean by that. It's I mean, let's say you're the libertarian conservative type and I'm the leftist. Mm -hmm. And so you just have your house and a nice little fence around it. And all you want to do is be left alone. Yeah. You don't want to go outside your fence. You don't want to bother your neighbors. This sounds wonderful. But I'm the angry barbarian horde outside of your <laughs> fence battering yeah. at the gates every single day. Yeah. Now, how long can you just play defense before I'm going to get inside that fence? You can't. Yeah. You can't. A conservatism purely is not equipped to deal with leftism because leftism is an aggressive, dominating ideology. And conservatism, like me, I just want to be left alone. Well, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. And you're right. I'm with you on sports. That's why yeah. I'm glad I'm on that panel. Yeah. I, I, I turn on the TV on Sunday. Dude, I talk politics all week long, all day long. I want to just watch a game. 
I don't want to hear about the Black Lives Matter stuff. I, I just want to watch a freaking football game. Yeah. I don't, and I don't even want to hear it from the right or the left. I don't want to hear Republican politics or liberal, liberal politics, but we have to fight back on their terms until they back off. Otherwise, we're going to lose. Well, that's why we have lost. In a way, and we've done, I think, conservatives do a pretty good job separating the art from the artist, right? Like, mm-hmm. we'll, go, we'll listen to music from crazy left-wing artists. We'll go to movies with crazy left-wing directors. And a lot of times, crazy left-wing messages inserted into the movies and still figure out ways to, to enjoy them. I guess just because we're so used to it, right? Like, we're just so used to getting kicked in the head over and over and over on this stuff. And it doesn't really bother us all that much. Um, there's one solution, which is actually like having you know, talent and being able to make <laughs> these movies, which yes. would be a nice solution. Yes. It doesn't seem to be. It happens occasionally. It's, it's occasionally it happens. Um, but is it a situation where we should avoid that stuff and not reward it? Or do we just, you know, we're human beings, just deal with it? See, I've changed on this. And let me tell you, I am as guilty as anybody else in the world. And I don't know the guy's politics, but like take Russell Crowe, for instance. Mm-hmm. Let's say he's a card-carrying commie, which he probably is, but I don't know. I'm right. just throwing out the name. Yep. Am I going to not watch watch him cut people's heads off in Gladiator? No, of course I'm going to watch that. And I have sons. They have to learn how to grow up to be men, so I'm going to show them Gladiator in order to raise them right. how to decapitate people. They need to learn. on some level, aren't we just at fault for things like that, for the growing, for losing the culture war? I mean, the left, you have, uh, take some restaurant that you love, and you find out this restaurant is involved in every group that's uh, attacking Christianity or conservatism, and they're donating to pro-abortion causes. But daggone, they have a great burger. I mean, well, I'm still going to go to their burger. Yeah. Ha, 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 you idiots who don't. Well, then don't act like you care about freedom. Yeah. Don't act like, I mean, how long are we going to fund the people who hate us? We yeah. have to make that call. It's tough because, I, you know, I, it's almost impossible to be consistent mm-hmm. on point, right? Every, no matter what place you walk into, you're supporting people who believe in a fruit crazy left wing. Who knows what cashiers or managers at every restaurant you go into. There's mm-hmm. the, they may be very left wing. You may be funding those things. Do you just kind of pick and choose when you can? How do you how do you manage that? Because it it doesn't seem like it's possible for a human being to be consistent. On these I, I wish I had the best answer. I'm trying more and more to monitor it. But I guess this is yeah. the best way I can ex- just, uh, explain to people what we face right now. Because everybody's upset about the culture war and how we're losing it. And you look around and music and movies and every yeah. universities. Do you feel like you've lost it all if you're someone on the right? Here's what's happening in corporate boardrooms right now. We have these social justice warriors. They're graduating. They're becoming CEOs and senators and congressmen, sadly. Mm -hmm. And they sit in a corporate boardroom and they say to themselves, well, I mean, today we could donate to a conservative group and lose a bunch of money from the leftists who will boycott us. Or we could donate to a radical leftist cause. And we know most of the conservatives will just shrug their shoulders and shop here anyway. Mm -hmm. So... What, what, what decision are we going to make? We're incentivized. Either we yeah. choose to make them pay for it or stop complaining about it. Yeah. Now, I'm as, like I said, I'm as guilty as anyone else. I'm going to the next movie that is, you know, I am. Yeah. But more and more, I'm monitoring where I spend my money, and I think we're crazy if we don't. I can understand that. You know, it's, it's like, a, it's tough, obviously. We, I remember when the, the there's one of the, thing, one of the big issues, I don't know if it was the bathroom thing or what was going on in Georgia. And so all these movie companies were like, we're not going to Georgia anymore. We're not going to, we're not going to go there. And the entire industry who works in Georgia are all hardcore left-wing mm-hmm. Democrats. And they're all sitting there going like, wait a minute, why are we, we didn't pass this law. We didn't even want it. Now you're not coming here, so we don't have jobs anymore. And the same stuff happens, I think, on our side if we get into that, where like, you know, if you, you people are turning off the NFL. Well, the NFL is probably one of the most conservative big organizations when you look at like the ownership and stuff. These owners are probably, you know, 60, 70 percent Republicans. 
Um, it's a very strange, uh, it's an outlier when it comes to entertainment. Sports is where you see a lot more conservatives. I, I remember a, uh, an offensive lineman uh, getting out of uh, college, and he was saying, like, wow, oh, you know, everyone, everyone is a Democrat in college. They're all big left-wingers. And then they get that first paycheck. And they look at how much is taken out with taxes, and they all become Republicans. You know, that, sports is, is one of the few venues where this actually kind of does seem to have a little bit of conservatism in there baked in. Well, it's because of what sports is, right? I mean, it's just that that ideology of you make it on your own, you are free to succeed, you are free to fail, go out there and be better, or suck and get cut. I mean, that is there's nothing more conservative than that. If yeah. it was if it was a, a something that was dominated by leftism, then I mean, the crappy weak kid would get to play wide receiver. But that's not how that works. Right. Instead, we need somebody he's huge and tall and fast and runs a forty in three point five seconds. <laughs> that is, there's nothing more conservative than best man wins, and in the end, you get a better product that people actually want to consume. So, in the end, they're conservatives whether they like it or not. Yeah, I like that. Um, so, on the Kaepernick thing specifically, and I, I've, I've argued with a lot of conservatives on this particular point. Kaepernick comes out, he does his thing, he, you know, he's, he's kneeling and he, you know, he's wearing the socks that are bashing cops and all the terrible stuff. And I totally understand disliking Ka Ka Colin Kaepernick. He also, by the way, was a terrible quarterback. I don't know if people remember this. He shouldn't be in the league because he sucked. Mm -hmm. Totally different point. Um, so he comes out and he does this whole kneeling thing. And, and there's a lot of people in our audience who are saying, I'm sure in yours as well, that are saying like, uh, we're boycotting the NFL. We're not watching the NFL anymore. I don't want any part of it. And I can understand that reaction. Um, and there was a bunch of people around the, the league who did this. The other side of this, though, is that Kaepernick is no longer in the league. So, and you have about, let's say, 95% of the players who are not kneeling. And you have a bunch of owners who are Republicans. And you have the situation where the one guy who really went for this was unable to get back in the league. And, and you, you know, you watch, you, you watch the Super Bowl, you, you know, when they're not taking their clothes off, there's a lot of pro-military imagery. There's a lot of flag imagery. Like, I feel like the reaction there to boycott the entire league was, was an overreaction where my wife, who's psychotic about any time I put on a Nike product now, uh, like she's like, absolutely no on Nike, which I think is, is more targeted towards Kaepernick. The NFL, I feel like, kind of got a little bit of a bad rap on that. They did, and, and people will need to understand this because you make a great point about it. The NFL is gigantic, yeah. you know, and uh, like a gigantic cruise ship doesn't turn on a dime. Yeah. So you can make a quick decision about the things you're going to do. The NFL cannot. Yeah. And they slowly got it right. You don't see anymore, Neilan. They got it right. Yeah. But people see something they don't like, especially something blatantly anti-American. And they can sugarcoat what he did all he wanted. In the very beginning, he was very clear about the fact oh, he was yeah. protesting the fact that America is a racist country. Those were his own words. And so when people saw that, and a lot of people consume the NFL, the numbers say 60% of uh, football fans are Republicans. So there was this instant, well, stop him. Yeah. Stop, well, cut him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wait, this guy's doing it. Not, why are you letting this happen? And they, it just took him a season to get the ship right. And yeah. So you're right and you're wrong. But on Kaepernick, I actually really respect the hustle. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's a complete scumbag. <laughs> but I think that's brilliant. You're a backup quarterback. You're going to be cut in probably that year, if not the next year anyway. Yeah. And you find some stupid social justice warrior thing and you're signing oh. $40 million deals with Nike to do nothing. And now all you do is whine on social media. It's brilliant. It's so blatantly yeah. obvious too, right? Yeah. Like. I mean, number one, he doesn't go to his own tryouts that they arrange for him. They do all this yeah, stuff we'll to, give him, uh, to give him more than they give any other player. He doesn't even bother to show up. I always say this to people who argue with me about Pat Kaepernick. Number one, it wasn't just Colin Kaepernick who was kneeling. Eric Reed on the same team, this, one of their cornerbacks, uh, 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 yeah, cornerback or safety? Cornerback. Safety. Safety. Um, he also knelt. 
and also had a job for a long time because he was just a mediocre average player. He wasn't even a great player, but he was an average player. He kept his job the whole time. And Colin Kaepernick lost his job to Blaine Gabbert before he knelt. Does anyone remember this? That has nothing to do with kneeling. That has to do with quality of play. It does. Yeah, and look, in the end, NFL is all about green. I think where people rightly do get concerned, and this is a big concern for me as well, is like you just mentioned the tryout, where the NFL bent over backwards and they sent scouts and things like that. Corporate America has failed to adjust to this new era. And what I say, what I mean by that is even go back to 1990. Let's say a left winger had a big problem with uh, Kellogg's. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about it. Let's say they did. What could they actually do? How long could it, could it take you to actually find a phone number, let alone an address to write a, a, an actual mail? Yeah. Could you get someone else to do it? Okay, let's say you could get three buddies to do it. Yeah. So Kellogg sits there, they get a few letters, they toss it. Today you've got Twitter and Facebook and email and 8,800,000 numbers so you can coordinate. And now one left winger gets enough guys involved and you sit down as the CEO of Kellogg, you have 20,000 emails and Twitter mentions that day. <laughs> and you feel like the world's coming to an end when none of these people can even, can even afford to buy a box of cereal. Right, they might not even be real people. So corporate America has not properly adjusted to the all-access society that we have where any loser in his mom's basement can talk to the CEO in a way. Yeah. And they have it, and politicians haven't either. That's why we've gone this way so much, because every moron loser has access to a senator, to the president. Yeah, it's, it's just true. crazy. You're over at the first, and 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 you know the guys who built this company initially are over there doing that one. It's you know it's great stuff. You have a great lineup, and it's like we have. A, a, I remember going through it with those guys because when we first started, it was in the middle of that conversion point between letters showing up and social media. Mm-hmm. And at first, it's like I think people would react to getting a, you know a few letters and think, okay, well, this isn't a big deal. If they got ten thousand letters, they would react and think it's a big deal, right? Well, they were getting the 10,000 emails and equating them to the letters. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, going through that and watching that happen, I my first reaction was, uh, eventually these companies figure this out. They realize that it's the same 25 people sending 500 emails each, uh, or it, at that time it was emails and it turned into social media. And eventually they're going to figure out, like, this is nonsense. Every single thing we're doing, they're just protesting, and it, I don't even think they mean it. That has not been the case. I was totally wrong on that. That's what shocks me. They've not yeah. figured it out. When you see, um, and we don't have to go off on, on you know, transgenderism, but when you yeah. see a country like, or a company like Gillette do a big, long transgender ad of some dad teaching his son how to shave, and this is a male company, I mean, obviously geared towards yep. mainly men, mm-hmm. and you find out Procter & Gamble lost $2.8 billion because of that, because people just fled Gillette. I know people to this day won't buy a razor. Yep. And then you look at the actual numbers, and we're talking about you doing a professional ad that panders to like .001% of the population, and you just want to shake them and be like, even if you agree with it, how are you that stupid? But guess who sends the emails? Guess who sends the tweets? Guess who sends Facebook? Why haven't you done a transgender ad? Why are you oppressing (laughs) us? And they feel like they have to. That's true. All right, more with Jesse Kelly here coming up in uh, just a second. Back in D.C. for CPAC uh, with Jesse Kelly. Uh, so, Jesse, tomorrow is uh, South Carolina, uh, the election. Uh, 
Which crappy Democrat are we going to see in the Senate? I have been predicting all along that Joe Biden was actually going to lose South Carolina and that Mike Bloomberg was going to be the Democrat nominee. Really? And both of those predictions look horrifically wrong right now. <laughs> but because I'm a political pundit, if they turn out to be wrong, I'll just act like I never said it and mm-hmm. move right on to the next wrong prediction with no accountability whatsoever. This is the best job I've ever had. Wow. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, you've only had the show for, you know, not that long. And you've already learned this? this I, is, uh, I adapt quickly. You are? I adapt quickly. So, no, I seriously think Bloomberg's still going to be the nominee just really? because, well, people don't realize he's built up so much equity with Democrats across the country, mayoral races, state senate, congressional run. I think they're getting ready to screw Bernie at the convention, and Bloomberg is the one who's owed all the favors. Yeah, well, it's, uh, that's true, and he's getting a lot of uh, uh, endorsements mm-hmm. because of that. And he's calling in those favors. Off. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. You know, I, th- I think, you know, I, I do think. Biden's probably going to win South Carolina. I, you know, could be wrong on that. I mean, his polling the last few days has looked a lot better than it did before that. Um, but Bloomberg is an intro. It's like a fascinating experiment. Like literally, nothing like this has ever been tried. This is a guy who's coming in with a billion dollars, maybe more, of his own money, not going in the early states. All the nonsense aside, and whether we're going to burn to a crisp in this country if one of these guys actually wins. It's like a fascinating thing to watch. It's like a fantasy football like, you know, uh, situation. Like this guy's just just doing it. He doesn't care. It's the ultimate science experiment. You yeah. know, you can't buy an election. Well, we're going to find out if yeah. you can buy an election or not. I love it. I think it's fascinating, especially since it's my not my own party yeah. and they can light the whole building on fire for all I care. <laughs> I want I kind of want Bloomberg to be the nominee just for for just to hear Democrats for six months tell us why it's okay for him to buy the election. <laughs> I just want them to make every one of those points over and over. Citizens United, that was a great ruling. I want all the stuff that they've been saying for the past 40 years about how evil billionaires are and all this stuff with Bernie and all of them saying they don't even think billionaires should exist. And then I want them to have to praise one for six months. And they will, too, because what's what's Bloomberg doing right now? Buying ads on TV, buying ads online papers. He's paying for the salaries of all these political pundits out there right now. And he's going to call in those favors, too. Hey, you know, we could do with a lot less trashing me. Thanks. Appreciate it. Click. And that phone call is going to happen. Yeah, I I think you're right. It's only we got about a, a um, uh, a minute left here. Uh, I kind of come to the sense of you can't buy. I don't think you can buy an election. Tom Steyer's proving it, right? Like, you know, you can't buy an election. Who? Yeah, I know. Exactly. And he spent $240 million of his own money. And he's not even a big time billionaire like Bloomberg. He's like a 1.8 guy. He's barely even a billionaire. Almost doesn't even count. Um, but Bloomberg is really going for it. And I think it almost gets you like sort of like, you know, where the Yankees will spend more than everybody else. And it always gives them a chance to compete. It doesn't give you the win. But it gives you a chance to compete. Is that how you kind of see the, the Bloomberg sort That's of how I'd see it. And let's not forget, these guys are used to blowing money. They're both married. <laughs> That's true. And he's, and he's been married multiple times, hasn't he? Well, yes. Yeah, so I he's mean, really, really used known. to blowing yeah. money. How do you, you're married multiple times and you still have over $60 billion. That, maybe this guy should be president, <laughs> i got to say. Jesse Kelly. Uh, I'm right with Jesse Kelly. It's a show on the first. You can get that on Pluto TV and a bunch of other places. Thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate you, bud. All right. Back in a second. So a lot of great stuff uh, from uh, CPAC, also from the election up on blazetv.com. If you go to blazetv.com and you use the promo code STU, uh, uh, you can get 10 bucks off your subscription and you'll help uh, save a starving something in some place that you care about. Whatever would make you do it, uh, that's what's going to happen. Um, also, if you happen to lose, let's say, a, a few thousand points a day on the, on the Dow this week and you don't have any money at all anymore, 
go to YouTube and click subscribe there. Click the bell as well. They will uh, give you a little notifications every single time we post a new episode of this show. And you'll be able to completely distract yourself from whatever you were doing previously. And that's always very, very helpful. Uh, and rate and review the podcast. You know, it's great. Whatever. Just go do it. I appreciate it. From D.C., good night.